Good morning, again. Let's, uh, obviously we need to start in Matthew 6, and we'll go from there. I want to read that again, and then we'll share a little bit about it. Matthew 6, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your inner room, your secret place, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. If, if, you, if your goal in making the secret place a constant part of your life is solely in order to hear God, you're going to be disappointed. Because there will be a lot more times that you don't hear him than you do hear him. And if you see your goal as just to hear him, then when you are hearing him, you'll think, I don't need the secret place. See the difference? If there's a picture to portray what the secret place is, it's this. It's a son honoring a father king with nothing to bring and no expectation. I am here to honor you. I'm bringing nothing. I'm not bringing my performance. I'm not bringing my sense of obligation, my sense of expectation that because I do this, you need to do something for me. It is to worship him. It is to honor him. It is to bless him. You will hear him, and you will hear him more consistently. That's not the goal. That's a byproduct of honoring him and blessing him and surrendering to him. Because when you're in your pre- when you come to his presence, you come the only thing we can bring is humility. And humility says, I got nothing to bring. You have it all. So I'm here to honor you. I want to give you some just some practical things that have helped me over the years in developing a secret place. But I want to point out something to you that I, I, I hope will encourage you. If you, can, if you can see this process as a journey, if you can see it as, okay, you're going somewhere. In the Old Testament, there was the courtyard the holy place, and the holy of holies. So the objective of all of this was to be presented through the gate, through the courtyard, through the holy of holies, and to be represented in the holy of holies before the presence of God. Today, we have that same scenario, but it's in a different location. 
It's here. And the courtyard is a representation of our body. The holy place is a representation of our soul. And the holy of holies is a representation of our spirit where God lives. And in the same way, coming into the secret place is journeying through those, whether you want to call them levels or stops or whatever. It's coming from the level of just with my body, of just doing things with my body to coming into where my soul is and how God is going to change that and then coming into his presence, to just be in his presence, to worship him and to honor him. And so if you can see that, you'll understand a little bit about what I'm going to share with you and how it looks. It is a determined choice to go there, okay? It is a, it is a, a decision, a conscious decision that I make to get past my body, to get beyond my soul, and to be into his presence. It's a choice to go that far. Sometimes things we do in the, in the religious world, in the Christian world, only touch our body. I mean, it's just, okay, we, 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 want, we want to know the actions that we take that we call worship whenever we might go through those actions in our body and never enter the presence of the Lord. And so we want to get beyond that. We want to get through our soul. The soul means it's going to involve me. It's going to involve the humility of my heart to say before the Lord, I have nothing to bring. I, I don't have works. I don't have merit. Allowing God to work that in me to where I really touch the Lord and come into his presence. There's a process there that takes place. The first thing with me, the first thing that I have to do is I have to get comfortable. Literally. I have to bring my body into subjection by choosing to make it be still. Choosing it, you know, it took a long time because I would fidget, you know. Get this thing going here, you know. And, and you notice yourself, we, some of us can't, we can't sit still without, you know, got to have something going on here, you know. And, and, and you know, got to have something in our hand. And, and, you know, got to be looking at something or got to be reading something. Well, surrender means I surrender it. I surrender all of that activity. I surrender all of that interest at that point in time. And it is literally bringing my body into subjection to this over here. And we think, that's a weird thing. Well, okay, it's weird, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what to say. It, It just, for me, I have to get to a place to where I'm conscious of what's going on around me. Turn the music off. Turn the radio on. Turn, you know, all, like, like Jeremy said, get in the car. Don't turn the radio on, maybe. It, it's just getting to that point to where I am comfortable. I can focus. There's not any distractions. That's the second thing. Get rid of any obvious distractions that you can. Okay? With me, I have a place. If you've ever been to our house, we have a, 
two-room house. Not two bedrooms, two rooms. We have a downstairs room and an upstairs room. And uh, it was never intended to be lived in. We were going to stick the grandkids upstairs, and then we were going to live in the lion shack. And, 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 and it just worked out. We live there now. So we had to make personal space. And Joni has one end of the room. I have the other end of the room. And uh, she goes up there, and she's in her chair, and I'm down here, and I'm in my chair. And there might as well be a 1,000 miles between us because that's where we are with the Lord. So get yourself comfortable. Remove all of the obvious distractions that you can. And then close the door. Close the door. Shut everything out. Shut everything out and shut yourself in. And give your focus to the things that are in the presence of the Lord. Now, sometimes sometimes we are so pulled, we are so... uh, There's such demands on us that it's hard to do that. That's okay. Sometimes it takes music. Sometimes we have to have just some music. Well, let me encourage you to make that music, music that settles your soul. Because that soul being settled is part of the process of getting there. And if all my music ever does is just, there's a place for it. I'm not saying there's not a place for it. There's a place for just, drawing a circle and having a conniption, right? There's a place for that. But this is not the place because we're going somewhere. And part of getting there may require my soul to just be released. So I, I may listen to music that focuses on him. That's just so much of our music talks about us. You know, and, and there's a place for that to remind us of what we're doing and where we are. But this is focusing on him and worship to him, the characteristics of who he is and what he's like. Some days we need it to refocus my attention from all that's going on around me. Now, listen, here's the cool thing. If you learn to do this, then there will come times where You can't control this out here, and it's chaotic, and it's confusing, and you can still go there without even controlling that. But for the time being, when you can control it, shut it down or use the music to to settle your soul and focus you back to what you want or what you're trying to do, okay? So just take that time, turn it to the Lord. Get music that helps you focus back on him and what he's doing and who he is. And just continue to be still and be quiet. And then in Psalms 100, it gives us a picture. It says, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with jubilation. Come before him with rejoicing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us, 
and not we ourselves. We are his people of the sheep of his... You see what that's doing? It's turning my attention. It's turning my focus away from all these things that I've got myself involved in, and it's turning my focus about him. Shout joy for the Lord, all the earth. All, serve the Lord with jubilation. Come before him with rejoicing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now look at the next one. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. The gate in the tabernacle, there was one gate. And when the temple was built, there was as many as eight gates. But when the tabernacle was built, there was one gate. Everything came through this gate. Here's what he's saying. When you start your journey into the Holy of Holies, enter that gate with thanksgiving, giving thanks. Turn that attention to him. Thanksgiving, and I'm not going to get real real deep into, in, into this, but this makes sense in two different ways. It makes sense in biblical sense, and it makes sense in just practical sense. In biblical sense, he says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is simply recognizing and honoring him for what he has done. Thanksgiving is, Lord, thanking you for what you've done. There's a, there's a psalm, and it was too big to put on the overhead, but I, I, it's in Psalms 136. It's that psalm that every other, every second part of the verse, there are 26 verses. And it's two parts. Each verse is two parts. And most of us have read it. I've read it. And I go, this is so redundant. Because he says, give thanks to the Lord for his good. His loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods. His loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him alone does great wonders for his loving kindness. And I'm going, come on, man. How many times do you have to make that point? And the Lord really spoke to me this week. And he says, you're emphasizing the wrong point. You're not emphasizing the second point, and you're not recognizing the first part. Because the first part is, hey, you put it up there. Thank you. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, to him who alone does keep going. He does great wonders. Is that all you have? Okay. (laughs) Thank you. All right. He says, I'm going to read the first part now of these verses. To him who made the heavens with skill, to him who spread out the earth above the waters, to him who made the great lights, the sun to rule by day and the moon and stars by night, to him who smote the Egyptians in the firstborn and brought Israel out from the midst with a strong hand and on outstretched arm and on and on and going. You know what the first part is doing? He's recognizing and giving thanks to God for all of the things God has done for them. And his conclusion to each one of those is, wow, his loving kindness is everlasting. Let me encourage you, if you have trouble, okay, what am I going to give thanks for? Take this chapter, okay, and fill in the first part with the things God has done in your life. Thank you for the breath, Lord, that you've given me this morning. Thank you for the house that you've given me. Thank you for the car that you've given me. And just list it, and after each one of those things, follow with, boy, your, your faithfulness is there. Your loving kindness is everlasting. Your loving kindness is everlasting. That's a biblical principle that just says, yeah, that's great. Let's focus on what he's done and honor him for what he has done. 
Now, praise is recognizing him for who he is. Okay? Thanksgiving is recognizing and honor him for what he's And this is my distinction, okay? I don't, I don't know that there's a, a Greek or Hebrew definition for this, but as I read Scripture, it seems to me that thanksgiving, when he talks about thanksgiving, he's referring to something God has done, something the Father has done. And when he gives praise, it is praise to him. It lists a characteristic of him, what he has done. He is good. He is kind. He's our, our stronghold. So take that, that posture, okay, Lord, you are, you are wonderful. You are gracious to me. You've done all this wonderful stuff. You are so kind. You are gentle to me in the way that you deal with me. All of that to just change my focus. What I'm doing is I've closed the door. I want to shut everything else out, but I want to shut myself in to all the wonderful things God has done to recognize and honor him and recognize who he is in my life. I'm changing my focus. And it helps me not want to go with all the, well, you didn't close the back door of the house when you're in there, and, and you, you need to go feed the cats, and, and, you know, you need to go and get the oil change in the car, and you don't forget to put this on your grocery list, and all this stuff. It's good stuff. I mean, it's okay, but it draws us out of where we're trying to go, and that's into his presence. You ever try to quit thinking something? It's just next to impossible. Well, what do you do? You replace it with something. Instead of saying, okay, I'm not going to think about going to the grocery store because then my list just gets bigger. What I'm going to think about is all of the provisions God has made for me, all of the food that God has provided for me. Thank you for that. Your loving kindness is ever. You see the distinction? It's helping me turn. It's forwarding me in my journey into his presence. That's biblical sense to me. It's also common sense, I think. There's no better way to align my heart and my soul with him and his purpose and his desire. There's no better way to align my, there's no better way to pull my soul away from me, 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 me and turn my soul to him There's no better way to do that than thanksgiving and praise. It changes the focus. You see, we think humility is thinking less of ourselves. No, humility is just not thinking of yourself. Thinking of him and all the things that he's done and all the things that he's provided. Just makes practical sense. I mean, why wouldn't I want my soul to be aligned with him? If you read Matthew 6, the very next thing he's going to say in, in the prayer that he prays and how is, is thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So how can I in all honesty pray that your kingdom come, your will be done when I'm not willing to allow you to align my soul into your kingdom coming and your will being done here? It's a practical expression of allowing his kingdom to come his will be done first in me by recognizing him who he is and giving thanks for what he's done. How long does that take? However long it takes. However long it takes. Don't be in a rush. Now, let me say this. If you got a minute, take it. 
If you got two minutes, take it. Doesn't matter about how much time. It matters about what you do with your time. And so take whatever time you got. If you got an hour, take it. However much time you can give to this, give to him as an expression of surrender to him for who he is and all that he's done. Here's the next thing. At some point, turn off the music and be still and be quiet. I want to show you something in Numbers chapter 7. Look at this. Now, now Moses, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. Okay. (laughs) I will prepare you a little bit for this. Okay. Moses has just gotten instructions for building the tabernacle, the place to meet God. And they, they did what he said, and they laid it all out. And now Moses gets to go into the tent of meeting to meet God. How cool is that? I mean, that, that's just awesome. Uh, you know, I mean, he met him on a mountain. Now they gave him instructions to build this tent, and now he's going to meet him in there. And look what happens in, in number seven. Now when Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak with him, what was Moses going there for? He's going to talk to God. So he says, when Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak with him, what happened? He heard the voice speaking to him from above the atoning cover that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim, so he spoke to him. Moses goes in there to talk to to God. You know what? We have no record of Moses ever saying anything in there. But here's what we have a record of. Verse eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Verse 5, and again the Lord spoke to Moses. Verse 23, now the Lord spoke to Moses. Verse 9, thus the Lord spoke to Moses. Verse uh, uh, 8 Mo, uh, of chapter 9, Moses said, Wait, and I will listen to what the Lord will command concerning you. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Chapter 10, then the Lord spoke further to Moses, saying, he didn't have a chance to say a word. I mean, how different is that from us and our approach about approaching the Lord? Now that I've got your attention, God, let me tell you, here's what's going on with me. I need this fixed, and I need this person changed, and I need this. Instead of stilling my soul, quieting my heart, focusing my life, going into there, being still, turning off the music, and just listen. That must have been a surprise for Moses. He was going to go on there and talk to God. Listen, if I'd have been leading that bunch, I'd have had a lot to say about God, say to God. And he did say it. But here he went and he listened. When he walked into the tent of meeting, where he was going to meet the Lord, he just listened. Bringing to sacrifice. Allow the Lord, when you come into that place, allow the Lord, I'll tell you what he's doing in there. He is massaging your heart. 
because your flesh is screaming, get out of here, you got all this stuff to do. And learning to be still, the Lord is massaging our heart. Now you'll notice, I, I didn't say anything here about confessing sin, looking for sin, anything like that. Listen, if I learn to walk in his presence, to get in his presence, if there's something there that's hindering me from be there, he wants me to know it more than I want to know it. He will let me know. And when he lets me know, my part is, you're right, Lord. I lost my temper with my spouse today, and, and that was sin. And listen, but here, I want you to see something, okay? Whenever the Lord points it out, he doesn't point it out so we'll feel bad about it. He doesn't point it out so we can grovel about it. He doesn't point, our about, point it out so we can beat ourselves about it. When he points it out, the purpose in that is for us to agree with him. Thank you for pointing that out, and thank you for forgiving me in advance. Thank you. If I agree with him, that forgiveness that took place on the cross becomes reality in my heart. And I just agree with him. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me. I was going somewhere. <clears throat> oh, I, I love this picture here. I didn't see this till last week. This is Psalms 139. I've been kind of meditating through Psalms, and I got to this verse. And this is that verse where, I mean, we just love it. It's awesome. Lord, you've searched me and known me and know when I sit down, when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. And he talks about all these things of just praising God about how good he is and how that he knows where we're at. And he's always present and he's always there. And uh, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the light is as bright as the day. You formed my inner parts and wove me in my mother's womb. I give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderful made. I mean, he goes all these things talking about how wonderful God is and how, how great God, great things God has done. He says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sea. When I awake, I am still with you. And then it just almost like shifts. Lord, that you would slay the wicked. Yeah, you're great, you're wonderful, but kill them bad people. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. They speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you? Boy, what a shift from all this wonderful thing. And he's talking now about, look, look what I'm doing. I hate those that hate you. Kill them, wipe them out. Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. And then it's almost like he comes to his senses and he says, search me, O God, and know my heart and see if there's any harmful way in me. And if there is, lead me in the way of everlasting. Wow. I, that just it just struck me. That was so cool. He's saying, "Here's my perspective. Kill them, wipe them out. I'm right. They're wrong. I'm got your heart. I'm gonna defend you. But in case there's something I'm not seeing, you search my heart." And I wonder if God didn't say, 
Did you hear yourself? That's not my heart. That's not what I desire. I want you to love your enemies. So if you're in this time with the Lord, if the Lord brings up something that says, you know what, you need to address this, agree with him. Just agree with him in that silence. Speak only as necessary to maintain that awareness. There may be times in that I say, boy, you know, you're wanting to be quiet, you want to be listening, but boy, your mind's screaming. It's okay to say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for making a way for me to come here. Thank you for ripping that veil down and, and I can enter in without a priest and without all the sacrifices. Thank you for that. And then listen. And then listen. Just be still. Let him do his thing. Let him work in our heart. Let him massage our heart. Maybe I need to medicate, med- medicate. No, don't medicate, meditate. Meditate. Well, if you'd have to medicate to meditate, that's all right. But <laughs> meditate on who he is. Just take a, one characteristic of him. Lord, you are so great. And just meditate on that, your greatness, Lord. You're so good. Maybe a verse. I remember one time we first started talking about this back in about 1982, and we started with Psalms 23. And I told him, take a week and take this verse and and meditate on it. And someone came, you know, everybody came back, and they were sharing all this stuff. And one person came back and said, I got as far as the Lord. That's as far as I got. The Lord. Never got to the shepherd. The Lord. So it's not quality, I mean quantity, it's just time with him. And so you may have to meditate on that and just remind yourself and refresh yourself. Allow time, allow the Father time to work in us. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You will come to know things that you don't know how you know them. You will come to know things that you don't know how you know them. You will come to know things that didn't pass through your brain. You will come to know things that you learned here as the Lord communes with you and fellowships with you and, and works in us while we just wait, while we surrender. We surrender our body, surrender our soul, and we yield to him in his presence. You will come to see things you don't know how you've seen them. You'll come to understand things you don't know how you understand them. It has to do with God working in our heart. You'll come, you'll, you will find out that you'll begin making choices that you have never made before that express God's glory when as before they may have expressed your anger and your frustration and your disappointment. He'll do that. That's what I do. Uh, Dean's been living with us. Uh, I just can't tell you what a blessing that's been. Uh, it's hard. Uh, I, I, I learned um, what I knew. You ever had those epiphanies? You learn what you knew. I'm not a caretaker. I'm not a caregiver. I do the stuff, and I'll do whatever we need to do. 
But it's more because I want to be obedient to the Lord, not because it's just natural for me to do it. And my time with the Lord, I mean, now we got, instead of having two people in a two-room house, we have three people in a three-room house. And if you all know Dean, he's bigger than me and Joni. He just is a bigger presence. And, and, and so my time has been devoted to that and taking care of him. And I would not trade it for the world. What it's done in me, what I know it's doing in our relationship. But I don't feel like the Lord has said, you hadn't come to me, I got nothing for you. I felt the Lord has met me in the middle of all that stuff and revealed things to me. So, don't allow our failures of the past to keep us from attempting things in the present and looking for a better future. We can get real guilty. I tried that. I just doesn't work for me. You know, I, I just did that. Uh, you know, and here's what you'll find. Tony found this. God speaks our language. He speaks in words that we understand. He used some, what's that group? Guns and Roses. They're of the devil. God uses Guns and Roses song to speak to his heart. God will speak your language to get your attention. Remember in the, in the shack, there's not a lot of different paths to God, but God will find you on whatever path you're on to bring you to him. So don't allow those, those failures and disappointments and frustrations in the past to keep you from going back. Adopt this phrase. It's helped me. Adopt this phrase. Where else can I go to find words of life? And the answer is nowhere. Where else can we go? All right. I don't know what we're going, where we're going from here, but that's all I have to say about that. Any questions? Any input? Was this clear? Is it practical enough to just get you started? Yours will look different, but that's okay. You know, it's whatever we need to do to just enjoy his presence. Anyone? Kennedy, I saw the video. That was sweet, hon. You did a good job. I'll let you preach sometime. You can have it up here. Randy? you once again for giving us all the practical tools you've given us a game plan you've given us everything that's needed for all this it's really just about us making the time making the effort and actually just doing it and so i appreciate you hearing the lord and how you've heard him and given us kind of like in a class setting in a school setting everything that's needed to do this so i really appreciate it greatly Thank you, bro. All right, anyone else? We'll take some more of that. I mean, you know, if you've got. <laughs> there are some authors that are really good to read if, if you're looking for one that talks about um, being in the presence of the Lord, and that's uh, Brother Lawrence. And he wrote a very small, very simple book called um, Practicing the Presence.
and Jean Guion um, writes about, it's called a, sh- a short and simple method of prayer, I think is what it's called. And it just gives you just what Micah's done. It just gives you some tools get to get in the presence of the Lord. And Michael Molinas is another author that is really good to read. And uh, the Jerry Coulter book. Beholding and Becoming. Yeah, Beholding and Becoming. Okay. I'm not the only one saying this. You know, if I was, then you need to be cautious. Okay? All right. You're dismissed.